So Chad. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, the Nordic Model. My name is Chad. Uh, today, we have a very special episode uh, where each of the uh, uh, participants in this podcast will be ingesting some kind of mind-altering substance. Uh, a lot of the people expand on what their particular substance might be. Uh, but anyway, today we've got Sid, uh, we've got Steven Nunez of the Jane Family Institute, and uh, James Lecky. All right, perfect. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you so much for, for having me on this, this very special episode. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't think... I've never done this this sort of thing before, so I'm very excited to see where this leads. Um, th this is Steve Nunez, by the way, um, and uh, I will be uh, partaking of uh, Blue Moon, uh, highly recommended strain, um, uh, with my um, with my my vaporizer. As 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 I was, I was saying, as as an old man, my my <laughs> old man lungs cannot handle the the raw tobacco the, the raw like smoke power of of modern strains so i really have to use this this vaporizer so. james you want to introduce yourself yeah yeah so uh i'm james lecky just a random twitter user uh i do that's, health that's policy. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i just do uh health policy analysis stuff and uh i do not really smoke weed but i am <laughs> drinking um a nitro milk stout America Stout, uh, left-handed brewing co. It's high quality stuff. Uh, Nitro yeah. Stout it was one of my favorites. It's pretty great. I've had like half of one already. This is great. Oh, good. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, we're, uh, so let's just get started on the first topic. Nice. All right. Um, so let me pull up what we were talking about. And I think uh, this is James idea. So let's start with you. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the weird fucking history of the child tax credit on this podcast. So kick it off for us. We're uh, good to go. Yeah, I was talking to Steve about this. It's yeah, super yeah. weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess, how should I put this? So it all starts in 1990, like a long, long ago. Um, <laughs> long, long ago for me. A long, long ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically George H.W. Bush has this idea um he's running it's before he's running for re-election i think he has this idea that he wants to give sorry it's uh an ambulance um he wants to give a thousand dollars per kid um i think senator rockefeller from west virginia which mm -hmm. um, they'll come back later um they wanted to give a thousand dollars per kid just to everyone regardless of income um, I guess is like a substitute for other welfare benefits like SNAP or WIC or something like that. Um, doesn't happen. Um, there's a recession. George H.W. Bush loses. Um, Bill Clinton wins. He goes with the expansion of the EITC, totally different program. Um, but in the contract for America in 1994, Newt Gingrich, um, comes out with the contract for America. Like one of the big things is a $500 benefit um, just for having kids, um, you know, pretty sweet. Um, that doesn't happen, um, but they still take everything over. They take over Congress. Bill Clinton still went to re-election. Um, and then there's the Balanced Budget Act of 1997 passed by a Republican Congress. Bill Clinton agrees to it where there's a non-refundable $500 tax credit per kid. So basically, if you're upper middle class, you get $500 off your taxes if you owed money, um, along with some other programs. Um, and then George W. Bush wins after a bunch of other stuff in like 2000, does a tax credit. And like for the first time, makes it like partially refundable. You can get $500 regardless of whatever, but the phase ends at about $10,000. Mm. Uh, so you really, it's only for people that work essentially full time, make more than minimum wage that get the full benefit, um, extends it a couple times. Obama keeps it going, lowers the threshold. Um, when Democrats are in control, he lowers it from 10, the phase in start from $10,000 to $3,000. Um, it's still that $1,000 amount with $500 that you can just get regardless of if you owe anything or not. Um, and it gets made 
permanent, like by the Republican Congress in 2015. He signs it. That's great. Everything's wonderful. Um, and then in 2017, Republicans passed the TCJA um, and Marco Rubio um, works with Ivanka Trump, triples the refundable amount almost from 500 bucks to 1400 bucks per kid, slightly lowers the phase in from $3,000 to $2,500. Um, and, you know, that's what they decide that seems like at some level, like there is some phase in that for whatever reason, people that make 240 $2,499 not deserving of any benefit. Mm-hmm. But once you hit 2,500, for whatever reason, you're starting to become deserving of some help. Um, and it's all phased in by, you know, a little bit below the poverty line, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're poor, you don't get the full benefit. If you're not poor, you get the full benefit. And if you're upper middle class, you get an extra 600 bucks. Um, woo. Uh, <laughs> then... <laughs> Michael Bennett comes along and basically says like, Hey guys, why don't we just like give everyone the same amount, like regardless of how much money they make, Joe Biden wins the election, Democrats control everything. Uh, They somehow convinced Joe Manchin to have signed along to it. Uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia to sign along to it for like six months. Then he said, just kidding. I don't actually want to do this. Uh, I think that some of these people are going to use it on drugs. Um, And at some point, that is between the range of making $2,500 and about $12,000 somewhere in there. He didn't say that, but he sort of did. Um, And so it expired and we're back to the TCJA, unless it doesn't get extended past 2025, in which case we're back to the Obama child tax credit. It goes back down to 500 bucks. Um, What did I miss, Steve? Strumming my pain with his fingers. <laughs> so this is the first thing that came. I asked your time. This is basically my has been my my life for the last, for the last eighteen months dealing with this. Um, no, I think that. I mean, I think that's right. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Back in in during the um, during this discussion about. Um, you know, it, the the American Recovery and Relief Act, uh, which was Obama's um, bill to deal with the Great Recession, this is when they made these changes initially. Uh, there was a discussion at that point, um, you know, what should we do going forward? Um, <clears throat> in the, uh, the House uh, bill, uh, there was actually um, uh, a phase-in that started at zero dollars, um, not at the 3000 that he was pushing for, uh, that that ended up essentially getting sort of, I guess, uh, axed. Um, but at the time, Center uh, for American Progress um, uh, was, was actually uh, pushing very hard for a, a fully refundable uh, tax credit with no, um, uh, with no phase in. It was a $1,000 credit at the time. Um, and, you know, right around that time, there was also sort of a, um, I guess, between then and 2016, which was the 20th anniversary of TANF, there was a sort of a long, like, post-Great Recession, um, you know, reconsideration of the safety net. Um, you know, TANF sounded great uh, when the economy was going well, but oops, we forgot that during recessions, work condition safety net collapses and doesn't actually, you know, provide any benefits. Um so there was a lot of like, we need to find ways to get aid to, to folks, um, you know, unconditionally. And of course, there's also, there's the, the national, um, you, you even, I mean, you're, you even start to see this in, in sort of the development world because they went from microcredit to conditional cash transfers to right around then unconditional cash transfers. So it was kind of mirroring that. Um, and then, you know, that's when I started to see, I was working at, at um, MDRC, uh, was a valuation shop uh, from 2011 on. And these are the sorts of discussions that were going on. And, and back then, I think in 2012 or so, that's when Greg Duncan and Lisa Janisha and Kimberly Noble started pitching the baby's first year's uh, child allowance study. There was just sort of a, an understanding, I think, um, an elite consensus build. That, that that something needed to be done to augment the safety net, um, you know, so that it was more robust against this. Uh, there was the international example of the child uh, the child allowances and child tax credits, things that that 
you know, Canada had done and, and the UK prior to that. Um, and they wanted to start building the kind of the evidence base for that. And um, yeah, that was a, that, that whole kind of decade, it was, it was sort of slowly building. There was an elite consensus building. Um, they were starting to get sort of the nonprofit space on board. It took a very long time to raise money for that study, as you may know, because it only really launched like last year. So, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing how we've seen, I guess, incrementally, but, um, you know, this sort of build out from, you know, this, like, here's a kind of a tax credit for rich people and you can get a little bit of money to, to eventually like, no, 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 this could be a full out child allowance. And we got really close. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 2022 has been a bad uh, year in a lot of ways, but that's that's it's been rough to uh, to see that we've basically uh, you know one vote shy of, of this. So that's that's uh, that's a rough one because many many children are going to go to go going to go to bed hungry because there's a coal baron from West Virginia that doesn't want to give them money. But I wanted to ask like both you know James and Stephen this question is like okay you guys are you guys are public policy wonks right this is like the area that you work in. <laughs> Can you describe the agony that you feel when you see like common sense policies that should be passed that immeasurably impact the loss of people's lives? Like, how do you how do you cope on a day to day basis with this? Well, I mean, I, I, it, it's interesting because, and, and I've, I think I've talked to to James about this, and I, I say it to anybody, <laughs> but but uh, you, you know, like I, I we work in this space where we're you know, in, at where I, I previously worked in program evaluations, I'm setting up, you know, randomized control trials or regression just to continuity design or whatever to, to build evidence. And then I'm working in a kind of a more of a think tanky space where I'm, I'm sort of writing up, doing micro simulations and writing up models about, uh, or, you know, uh, white papers about these models and what they show and what the evidence shows and so forth. And I really just feel like the, the, the evidence is really not the 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 main factor here right so i feel like i'm i'm in the space to to I'm, I'm like well all i can do is produce like regression tables and and output stuff but that's really not the level that the argument's on it's really about you know winning over people winning and winning over their constituencies sort of you know social mobilization and and, and pressure and not like five, you know, three stars on an, on an impact table. Like, Hey, look at this. It totally, I swear it works. See? So, <laughs> so I've, I feel like I'm like very aware of, of how, of, of what needs to be done. Amazingly frustrated because you kind of have to keep writing the same papers over and over again about things that have, have long since been sort of, you know, if they were ever really open empirical questions there, they aren't now. Um, and that's really all I can do is produce more of that, right? Mm -hmm. But but what I really think we need is um, is I guess the kind of mobilization that they were hoping would occur during this one year period, the one year CTC sort of period. You know, oh, nobody would ever be willing to incur the wrath of the public by taking away this benefit. Well, you know, I mean, they barely understood that it was a benefit. Um, you know, the 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 polling suggests that. You know, maybe like sixty percent of the people who, um, you know, parents. You can ask them if they receive a child tax credit, and they say yes. But we know, like, the actual number of parents who are receiving it is more like 89 percent. So, like, a good chunk of people just don't even realize that what they're receiving is anything. They're, they say, "Oh, I thought it was just part of the like stimulus. I didn't know that." So, but even those who are aware, you know, it's not a lot of time to mobilize and to coordinate and to to. Um, you know, create elite mobile in, like lobbying networks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not really sure um, why they thought that was going to happen. I, I guess my, my other point is a little rambly, but I'm always a little rambly. You can't really tell the difference um, <laughs> is that, is that, you know, I'm seeing this with a little bit of dread with, with the, the guaranteed income movement too, because um the last few years, they went really hardcore onto into pilots and evidence production. And as I just said, you know, that's really not what's lacking here. And it's not clear that that you know more tables and more reports and so forth are going are to make that kind of difference. So, 
Um, this actually leads into a nice segue here, which is, is that I, I'm writing, I happen to be, all this is on my mind because uh, one of my colleagues and I at, at JFI are writing a, um, a, a, the, net, the last white paper in that white paper series called the, um, the uh, a political economy of guaranteed income. And I think we were gonna write a very different paper um, when we started writing the draft uh, in, in autumn um, and had to scrap it. And, and it's, it's taken on more of a, um, uh, I guess, a, a, a post-mortem sort of feel, <laughs> like, like, like what went wrong? Um, what could have made a difference? You know, do you really need 90% of people to, like 80, 90% of people to, to support it something? Um, not necessarily, because if we had had two more uh, Democratic senators, I think would have passed, regardless of the fact that most people don't even know what a child tax credit is, realized that they were receiving it. Um, and those who were receiving it liked it, but were not, you know, super, you know, they were kind of lukewarm about it. They're like, eh, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so again, thinking a little bit about when does public opinion matter? When is it not a big, big issue? Um, if you've seen me rambling on Twitter recently about public choice theory, it's because I'm thinking about that a lot. You know, the motivated minorities and, and you know, concentrated benefits and disparate costs and so forth, or widely dispersed costs, so. Um, so yeah, that that's coming out probably in a month, in a month or two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been very much, it's, it's, it's the, the tone of it is, 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 a, is far more somber uh, than, than I think what was originally a somewhat triumphant. I'm going to be very honest. I forgot what question I asked. I wanted to pass it to James. Like, <laughs> I think the question was like how it makes you feel deep down in your soul. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I just yeah. that was that was really cathartic. I just I yeah. just vomited. Well, I mean, we're, we're very glad to have it on the Nordic model. I really appreciate that answer. But for you, I mean, you're obviously you're in a different domain. But like, how do you, yeah. how do you feel about that? No, I mean, obviously it makes me sad. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel good to like have this pro program that really is going to help millions and millions of kids and to help them not be hungry and then to just not by not doing anything for them to go back to being hungry. Like that's mm. just awful. Oh, and that also, and also, and also, and also, and like just right, right as inflation really kind of, kind of kicked yeah. into gear too, to make um, it to insult yeah. injury. So, I mean, how do I like deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I guess <laughs> part of it's like, I am a obnoxiously optimistic person. Um, just that's by good. nature, so just you're just gonna have to deal with that. Um, we need but, we need more of that, so that's good. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> but like you look at the history of the CTC, and it's a very short history, right? Like mm -hmm. the thing was created, at least in America, it's yeah. a short history. Yeah. Um, you know, I am older than the child tax credit. Um, I was I someone from like Miss Cannon sent me an article of like Rockefeller Senator Rockefeller talking about this. Yes, the article was released when I was two weeks old or three weeks old. Um, I was there for so that. like, I was there for that thread. I was there. God. And I thought yeah. you were going to say you were there for him being born. I was, I, I mean, <laughs> I, might, I was yeah. probably, I don't, when were you born? When was that? 1991. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Okay. So yeah. you're, you're not, you're not a, you're, you're the Soviets fell. And I was, you're, you're not okay. a zoomer. <laughs> you're not a zoomer. You're a millennial. That's a, mm -hmm. okay. Okay. So that's not that. We got you. I'm sorry. I mean, I was enjoying. Uh, was 91. So that's. Um, oh, Enter Sandman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was. I was rocking out to Enter Sandman at that point. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, like basically, it's a short history, and it's gotten very. It's gotten better rapidly, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. passed in 1990. They start talking about it in like 1991, legitimately. Mm. It gets passed in 1997 when. It's not like Democrats control everything. Like this is like a resurgent Republican party that's fairly conservative, more Republic, more conservative than during the Reagan years. It gets passed, it gets expanded when Republicans control everything and some Democrats sign up and then it gets, it gets expanded or extended when Democrats control everything. And then that version gets made permanent yeah. when Obama's in office and you have Republicans control Congress and they really want him to be a failure and they still extend this thing. And then when Republicans control everything and right after they fail to repeal the ACA, they decide, okay, well, like Senator Rubio, who mm -hmm. built his entire career being a Tea Partier, 
uh, said, okay, well, I'm going to work with, you know, President Trump's daughter and we're going to, you know, help, we're going to extend this benefit even more. Um, but basically the deal is if you want to get this full benefit, then you have to work nearly full time at a minimum wage, a federal minimum wage job to get the yeah. full benefit. Like that's still a, right. an improvement. Like poverty is going there, down. Yeah. Like, it's, so like, that makes me feel better. And like, other than that, that still sucks. <laughs> um, but it's not like there was ever like a golden age of welfare policy in America. Sure. Um, when you I look think, at like the yeah. new deal, like there are major expansions, they're very tailored expansions. Um, that are much more conservative than we would find acceptable today. Um, yeah, so yeah. That, no, I will. I will. I, 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 <laughs> so, I mean, on that on that note, um, I mean, it, it's 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 really. I mean, the CTC is mostly dead at the moment, right? It's not fully dead. I think it. I I will. I'm. I could be completely wrong, but but a Biden style, um, you know, no phase in at all fully refundable tax credit. I think that's, that's dead. That's not going to happen. Um, but there, there, you know, there is a lot of behind the scenes talk about trying to come up with some kind of compromise. Um, you know, maybe something that, um, could, could get Republicans on board at least, at least in the, you know, I mean, you're not going to get 60, 60 votes, but something that could get um, Republicans on board and look like a bipartisan bill. And then maybe that could serve as, you know, a template for something that goes through reconciliation that Manchin could eat because mm -hmm. he could say these people to my right voted for it. Sure. And that, and that means doing things like trying to cut out. I know um, Sam Hammond and Miss Kanan said, well, like, could, could we at least just do it for, for kids six years and, and younger. Right. Um, and I think there's a, you know, even on the right, there's some, some sort of, there's a little bit of, of sympathy for that. Like, well, you know, at least for like the first couple of years or so, like a mother should probably be at home, not working anyway. So, uh, so maybe we should just give them the money, right? Like there's a, there's that sort of like, you could, there's like a deploy to get the sort of the social con conservative pronatalist type folks. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, you know, just having with my colleagues, like looked at, informally on our own like what would happen if you thoughts around with the the um the phase in you know putting it at phase in from zero dollars um and having it phase in at the at the same rate that eitc does um you know that's not nothing that does that does reduce poverty um over the status quo by by a fair bit it does not get to the people who absolutely need it the most the ones who don't have um, any, you know, 1099s or W-2 forms to provide. So, um, you know, it's, it's infuriating on that level, but then at the same time, you know, semi-optimistic, it would, it would be fitting in the, the history that we just went over, right. Mm -hmm. That, that, that it would be yet another incremental change again, dropping the, the phase and start point again, putzing with the phase in, again, potentially making it um, somewhat more um, uh, generous going forward with this idea that maybe sometime <laughs> a decade from now or, or, or so forth, we'd finally be able to do away with the, the, the phase in. I, I guess that's the part where it's so frustrating, right? Which mm -hmm. is that you feel like you only get a, this kind of bite at the apple like once every you know, 12 years or so. So it's, that's, that's rough. I mean, it really seemed to me like when everyone was talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, stimulus payments, um, you know, under both, uh, you know, Trump and, and then Biden, and then um, they, they expanded DC. It seems like, you know, at least at one point, everyone kind of seemed to uh, um, be under the under the, the collective opinion that like, uh, um, you know, phasins are bad, right? It seemed like it, it, people brought that up and it was like, uh, you know, across the aisle. It was like, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it's clearly wrong, right? To, to not pay the poorest people, uh, poorest people money. Um, during you know the pandemic. Mean. Yeah, during the yeah. pandemic. Yeah, but I think, so I mean. I'm wondering where that went. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think that the, pan, the pandemic as a, you know, as an exceptional time in people's minds ended. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it, it really is an exception, right? So there's, if you look into like the literature on like deservingness, mm -hmm. 
and I mean, you can look at it in, in, in the United States and obviously there's a huge, you know, um, fundamental attribution error, um, with in-group out-group. So there's a huge racial component to it and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at, at, you know, whether somebody is deserving of aid, there are things like, you know, um, of course, whether they reciprocate in some manner, um, but also, um, you know, whether the reason that they are in need of aid is, is their fault. Right. And I think the pandemic is very clearly an exogenous shock. Um, everybody, nobody can be, you know, blamed for falling on hard times because entire, you know, industries collapse and shut down because of a world historic plague or because their family members died. And that was like the part that was the main sort of, um, you know, earner for the family or, or they are disabled by the, the illness or whatever. So I think that gives people leave to be more generous and to be, um, less or even completely unconditional with the aid. And I think I remember during the pandemic, there was a lot of this discussion, which was, is this like a real shift towards, you know, like getting rid of this sort of, you know, undeserving poor narrative and, and like really just being comfortable with a government that can actually sort of provide for, for people when they're down? Um, or is it just temporary? And I think, I think it's temporary. I think um, that deservingness frame is extremely difficult to budge. And the arguments around the child allowance were, in most instances, never about getting rid of that deservingness frame and replacing mm -hmm. it with just like a right, you know, as a human being or as a citizen or whatever. It was really about one of two strategies, either carving children out and saying, you know, uh, you know, expecting reciprocity from children is insane. And, and so, so even Bring though child labor back 2020, <laughs> even though, you know, even though it's totally cool to expect this from able-bodied adults without children who we hate, um, like we would never want to do that to children. And some people are like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why would you expect children to be able to do that? The other argument that people made was, was not, focused on the children, but on the parents, which is the parents are engaged in socially important labor, labor that's not in the marketplace, not comp compensated by the marketplace, uh, but is nonetheless sort of vital to a healthy society. And that is the reciprocity. That is what they're providing society, right? Yeah. But it, so in both instances, they, they try to make an appeal, you know, that either the frame shouldn't apply as an exception or that the, the, the requirements of the frame are already met, but in no instances are they are saying we should reject that frame. Right. So, mm, so right. even, even the arguments where we're expanding the, the, the welfare state are, are still, you know, forced to, um, to wrestle with that sort of perception. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think that's uniquely American, but I, but it's, it's, uh, it's something to keep in mind, I think. Yeah. And I mean, like in America, um, if you look at like the history of, how all of these like welfare expansions happened and to whom they happened, right? Um, it it's very dependent on <laughs> deservingness. Like even veterans, mm -hmm. yeah, even more universalist programs that you're like, oh, like that's a case study for universalism, right? Like social security, it's based on your earnings. Um, right. And yeah. you, it's based on having worked for 10 years. It goes after your you know, 40 quarters of like best earnings or something right. to find what you get out of it. Or like Medicare, same deal. You have to work for, ten, or you have to, you know, work for 10 years or something like that. And if you want to get hospital insurance, but you haven't been in the U.S. for 10 years, then you do get a premium. Or like you yeah, look at, right. there's a lot of welfare, right? It's, well, it's all of it. Or like, well, that's, a, yeah, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Is like yeah. the yeah. one pro, like, sorry. <laughs> the, the one program where like all of our different welfare programs like TANF, SNAP, unemployment insurance, everything like that, like you can't be a undocumented immigrant or you can't be an immigrant who's been here for less than five years and get that benefit. Mm. The only exception is yeah. WIC, Women's Infants and Children, where mm. we say like, okay, the one exception to this is if you are an infant and you are undocumented you can get this benefit that will get you baby formula. 
Mm-hmm. Speaking um, of which, <laughs> I mean, this, this is apparently this is apparently currently a you know a, it's a hot topic, a hot topic on the sort of the the, the sort of the Fox News right, right, which is 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 like how 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 dare we provide formula to to illegal illegal? I think they even use the term illegal children. So illegal. Ch- so even we? so even that is even that is not something that that's widely accepted. What you're like, even though it's in place, right? It's still mm-hmm. something that 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 needs to be defended yeah. against so yeah i mean, I mean to, to me honestly so like something you know what i work on is kind of the, the pension system for the canadian population and 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 to me like a child tax credit just seems like the inverse of that like in a normal kind of pension system you're trying to shift consumption from today onto tomorrow because you want to consume something in tomorrow but you know children need to consume things too to grow up to be people that participate in society right and it, it's so bizarre to me that we we can't just take that simple argument that you know maybe some of the consumption that people need you know right now we shift it to children and so they can be able-bodied adults and it, it, it's and, just, the, and then it's they will insane pay, to me and then they will pay back that into to the next generation right uh, so right. so it re- what you're really saying this is medlock's um like uh blessed, spreading, blessed be his spreading, name <laughs> Got a, 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 a stoner who should be here with us today, but is yeah. not because he's in we're, we're, we're going to get him in the pod by the end of this year. At some point. We'll do it. We'll do it. Somewhere. So the, I was going to say, um, um, I, I, I think I had a point somewhere. What was, what was that point? What, do you remember what I was saying? I think I'm, I'm saying <laughs> no, no, not defined all that. <laughs> but I want to ask like one question. Like we I just want to ask one that. question before this though. Yes, yes. I want to ask Chad, why are you using that fucking lighter? <laughs> you can just buy a big. I don't have <laughs> one. This okay? lighting so a barbecue like a... type thing you're doing right now. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's been cracking so the viewer, me up for the past 20 minutes. See that I'm using uh, like a candle lighter as, a, as my lighter because I don't have a big. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's, anyway, so yeah, I got you up for it. Yeah. So my, my, um, uh, my vaporizer has a sort of built-in oven. See, that's another another benefit. I don't have to fumble. I don't have to burn my fingers on a on a uh, on a back. Okay, so I was saying something about something or other, but I, I shifting consumption. Oh yes, yeah. So the, oh yeah, this was the James Medlock, the, his favorite meme, right? Which is that you're really like the the social safety net um, is in part one way to think about it is is shifting resources not across people, but uh, within people across their own lifetimes, right? And right. you know, I, as a baby, I cannot, uh, I cannot uh, generate uh, earnings, um, and would like to consume um, more right now. Um, and as a as an older person, I might be willing to consume slightly less to know, sort of like um, in a in a time loop sort of way that my baby self was was nourished. So, <laughs> so this is. Just, so I think that's a it's an it's an in, intertemporal transfer of of income. I think is is what you're getting at, or it's, yeah. or at least that's what it made me. And, and then then we start talking about Medlock, and he did have he asked me. I did ask um, if since I said he you really need to be here, and he's like I'm sorry I can't make it, and I, and I said, um, is do you have a a statement like a prepared statement that you could give me to to read to to everybody. <laughs> Um, and he said, yes. And I said, okay, like, what is it? And, and here it is. It's that's right. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful. So. You know, I mean, because I, I, I wanted to do this question before the end of the night, but, okay. <laughs> but this is something that, that I, I thought of before, but like I, before that night, I want everybody to do their best impression of what they think Metlock sounds like. I, I have, like I have no idea. That's, have that's the no best part. Idea. I have no idea. Totally open to interpretation. Do you, I mean, do you think he's, do you think he's um, like, does he have the kind of the stoner feel? Do you think? Is he just like, (laughs) he's like, I'm the vat man. I think that's it. I think that's it. That is, that is something, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It could be. Pigeonhole bias like Avatar where it's like an old guy. So I just imagine like. It's Carl Polanyi, right? So he's a Hungarian, he's an ancient Hungarian intellectual. Um, I just think you're like a godfather. Like, like, uh, uh, you're the the master of my daughter's wedding. 
No, I spread the wealth to everyone. No, I um I don't know, he probably just sounds like a like a a, a no cow like 30 something dude from sure. like the from the Oakland bro. Area. Um no, I mean north north California, more like Oakland. He probably goes to Yoshi's and listens to jazz there and goes home and gets clawed by that cat that doesn't love him. You know, it's just like it's it's um <laughs> This is my favorite saga, by the way. This is like, at what point will this will this cat like give up and 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 let James Medlock take him take her into his life? Have we have Shut we ever considered the possibility love. that Medlock might be Canadian? I don't know why. I don't know why we're excluding <laughs> this from the realm of things that are possible. Well, it I could mean, be the case. Do you think you could be a Canadian person who just who like lives in in the open air? Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah. I guess that's, that's possible. I think I think he's yeah, very I, polite. He's, so, he's so polite, right? So I that's, mean, that's, I know he's got a little bit of Canadian in him. There's a little, yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it, is, it is. That's a little suspect there. Um, it's my it's personal possible. theory that it's all just Matt Darling. Matt's just been lying. Yeah, I, I wish I wish Matt Darling was here right now. I would, I would love to see Matt Darling on and talk about stuff. Because I, I um, mean, yeah, no, it no. was one of the best interviews I've had, like that I've done so far, was with Matt. And he's just like Matt, yeah. such a super like forthcoming and easy to talk to dude. Like I really wish I could get him high on one podcast and talk to him. I'm gonna be yeah, a, yeah, a I don't wonderful know. experience. Yeah, I don't know what what uh yeah, I mean he would have to you'd have, he'd also have to speak to his boss. <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. um, no, 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 no. Yeah, darling's fun. Um, we, you know, we we play Dungeons and Dragons together. So, um, yeah, so I fun. get to so we we hang out on a regular basis and and go planes hopping. So, so that's nice. So he he gets to see me on a. Oh, are you still there? Sid, did you just, did you just uh, disappear? Am I? Can you hear me? Oh okay. yeah, I got you. Yeah, you're good. You froze for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. No, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, I've, I've already had many such conversations over a uh, uh, a, a vaporizer with him, or on my side. I'm not. <laughs> that man does not participate. <laughs> I told, what were we talking about before this? Uh, I don't know. You're just talking about how you like Matt Darling, James Medlock. Oh, and James Medlock. Yeah. Oh no, you think he's a um, he's think he's a sock puppet. I don't. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Although we've never seen him in the same room together. That's true. That I, I think that'd be a globe puppet. Yeah, <laughs> globe he might puppet. be globe puppet. Well, yeah. I liked I liked the idea that he was um one of several personalities within Jeff Bezos's like divorce fractured psyche. Yeah. And that he was it was his like that's a good one. It was his like um his guilt at being like a robber baron created like an internal like social democratic um, persona that's like obsessed with taxing him and like unions and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think the one, one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking about this was the fact that um, so you know in Canada we've got this child uh, Canada child benefit the CCB um, and it's like a, it's 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 a very fantastic program. It's it's got it's own share of problems with like our phase in phase out structure so one of the ways it is it's like it kind of disincentivizes work in this particular bracket where it's phased out so we see a lot of uh women dropping out of the workforce between a certain income bracket but like overall it's a pretty uh successful program like it i think it, it's pulled in but it's pulled out five hundred thousand like canadian children out of poverty which is a huge amount uh when you, when you like contextualize it in terms of our population so it's just Mm-hmm. it's just it's really saddening to me that like that's something that's like not possible for america because i think one of the like the philosophies that me and chad kind of subscribe to is the fact that a, a child tax credit is for children and when you give the parents the money they they do empirically they spend it on their children like that's yeah. what happens and we know that and it's just so saddening to me that we can't kind of reach people uh, on, on that kind of framing is the fact that you know, okay like this is for children you're going to spend on children and it's going to pull children out of poverty. And it has, and I know, I know you've written about that before too. And it's, 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 it's really heartbreaking to me. Well, it's, and it's, and the thing about it is it's, it's really just, I mean, we're in the Nordic, the Nordic model. We got, we got the rose, rose in your, in your, your, um, your Twitter handle, all that. It, it is the most innocuous program out there. Um, 
there's nothing radical or revolutionary about hand, giving households some cash to spend in the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we haven't gotten even into like social insurance provision at this point, no public anything, just, just literally like, here's some money, go be good capitalists. And, 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 it, you know, it should be a no brainer because it, it really just by itself, it, it does, it does so much, but with, um, but uh, you know, for, for killing poverty without even having to talk about larger reforms to, to, to the economy and, 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 um, and to the safety net. So I think it's kind of, <laughs> so I think it's kind of, um, you know, unfortunate that it's still such a divisive thing. Um, and again, it is in the political class because at the, you know, at the kind of the wonk level, I, I mean, it, you, you have try. I mean, there, there's you know, there's a few people at AEI or whatever, but but the intellectual, you know, uh, sort of counterattack was just amazingly weak over the last couple. Of, I just I was really not. I was expecting you know a, a huge vision, and it was just like nah, nah, something. Uh, we we need that phase in. If you take away the phase in, people will all be poor. And it was like that that doesn't c- come on. Yeah. Right. So I think, yeah, I think like every country has its own version of assessing deservedness, right? Sure. Even like, and like in Canada, their choice for that is not to have a phase in, but to do the phase out fairly early. Mm -hmm. Right. So like they do an incredibly good job of getting rid of child poverty via their benefit. Um, but then their phase out is similar to the American EITC. Yeah. Um, so when you're at the, I think it starts to phase out at $30,000. It's fairly it's high marginal tax rate. Though. Yeah. 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 So it's a very high marginal tax rate and that's not great. And like, that's their trade-off. Um, you go to the UK and I think it's a straight up like welfare cliff. I'm not really sure on that. Or like Australia is like very means tested um, and like different countries like do their own thing. Like, I don't know, like Sweden just for whatever reason, like, I don't know, they tend to not, I don't think they have like phase ins and phase outs as much as far as I know, but like for whatever reason, like the U S is like a heavily stratified society. Where's um, little Keegs? By region and everything where, like that. Where's little Keegs? We need him. We need yeah. him. He's got, we need the three world. Three worlds of welfare capitalism. Go. No, um, was, but yeah. Uh, and like the U S just does it our own way. And like the way we seem to deal with that stuff is like, is with the deservedness question is phase-ins and like kicking questions to states and you guys figure it out because you're all the size of european countries anyway and and just extremely elaborate um sort of paperwork both up front for the means testing and um you know often monthly um you know to deal with conditionalities um and it means it just it's just so there's so much churn there's so many people who can't get access to anything because they, oh, I'm sorry, you filled this form out wrong. You, you know, you have to. It'll be another six to eight weeks before we can reply. And you're just like, so. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's, they won't even tell you. Like sometimes they won't tell you. You just, you just go just, out of your way to be like, did I get in? Like no. No, and that's all by choice. It's it's all been done. You know, they, they made decisions. They're they're try, they're trying to. Oh, as a, as a, as a, well, if they really need it, if they're the, the people who really need it, then they'll they'll actually go through with the work and do it. I mean that that's no empirical evidence for that, but you know this isn't about evidence. This is about some morality plays and and, mm. and so forth. But I mean, if anything, you think it'd be the other way around, right? That like the, the the people who are in most desperate need are the ones for whom you know that that added you know having to check back in with the welfare agency to see if they got their benefit. Like that would be the most taxing on them. Yes, <laughs> so, you know the people yeah. who really, really and and that and that's true, right? They're just they're and and. You know, a few years ago, they, they kind of, I mean, people kind of discover these things over and over again, but from new angles. So, so then a few years ago, it was the brain science angle. So it's just like, it creates a cognitive load, creates a, so that's why they can't do it because of the cognitive load. And then, um, then, then all the, all the programs were just like, I, I met this, I saw this at this time when, um, when I worked at MBRC, like 
every for suddenly all of the RFPs, like the like people we would like a program to be evaluated, everything was about was was um, defined in terms of brain science, mm-hmm. and and they all started this way. Poverty, sort of, you know, you know, did you read the book Scarcity? Well, poverty creates like a cognitive, uh, you know, load, and you have limited bandwidth. So then you you start siloing and you myopic and you make mistakes and all that kind of stuff, and and that can keep them in poverty. So our approach coaches people to like not fall into these um, sort of you know cognitive biases that are, are are sort of caused by that bandwidth problem. And I would always just sit there and just say like, what? Like if the if the point is that this is this is caused by poverty. Just give them some fucking money, and mm. then these these sort of bandwidth issues and all that and siloing will go away naturally. And they're like, no, 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 we got to do the 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 thing, or we're going to do CBT, and that's like like how could you read that and that's what you come out with, right? Mm. <laughs> but yeah. um, but yeah, but there, but that is this idea that, and and it's true, you know, poor people for a variety of reasons, part because they can't get bus fare to actually go to the meeting that they're supposed to go to mm. like have a lot of trouble meeting those requirements and and the yeah so but i mean i don't think there's anything uniquely like vile about Amer- the american people in the way that they think mm. about the poor or about poverty i just think we have a, a um a very different political structure and and then a lot of other countries do and parliamentary systems and and proportional representation and so forth. And that leads to different outcomes. And like, I don't personally believe that like the, the, you know, the average Swede or the average German is more virtuous than the average American or is more enlightened about deservingness and and poverty and so forth. But, Hmm. um, but, you know, different systems mean that, um, you know, these sorts of system uh, safety net programs can get, uh, actually get passed and made permanent and locked into place in a way that, I mean, can happen in the United States, but, um, you know, is much more difficult just because of the number of the just proliferation of veto points within veto points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all like where status quo bias lies and like how easy it is to get something over like some sort of threshold <laughs> and how in the U S that's particularly hard. Yes. But then, you know, how we chose to do it. I mean, it's, and, 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 you know, when, and, and things, whether or not they're popular, you know, has some bearing on whether or not something gets passed. But, but like I said, it's not clear cut. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like when, if I remember correctly, when, when the UK banned capital punishment, um, like mo- the vast majority of the population was pro-death penalty at the time, but it got passed anyway. And, and now they're not because that's the status quo that they people grew up in, right? You, you know, which is that right. this is not something that we do, right? So, um, but you know, if it were the other way around, if if right now um, in the UK their capital punishment was going on and they were going to debate getting rid of it, I I don't think most people would be, you know, like us oh, as like enlightened people of Europe. We are, you know, we understand this is wrong in a way that Americans don't. I think they have the same. Same sorts of issues. All right, fair mm-hmm. enough. Oh, so anyway, we're getting like towards the end of our time tonight. But I wanted to ask everybody one question, and it was it was this one. I've been thinking about this for a while. Let's say you could get you know Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema into a room, you know, <laughs> and you have one minute to explain to them the necessity of the child tax credit and why it's important. Like, what would you guys say? Let's start with Chad, then we'll do Stephen, then we'll do James. Uh, I mean, I, I would probably, I, I suppose, point to, you know, I, 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 if I were trying to be like as persuasive as possible, I guess to, so there's, there's different ways to attack this question. You can say like, what do I think are like the objectively like correct the most correct or best arguments? And what I would use specifically to like talk yeah. to Joe Manchin <laughs> and talk to Chris Cinema, right? Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, I like deservingness arguments aren't, aren't particularly, um, uh, they, they, they don't like appeal to me very much, but those are kind of the ones that I, you know, the, that I try to make, right? That I try to make an argument along the lines of, of the one that James talked about earlier. Um, you know that uh, we need that either we need to like compensate, or I know I think it was Steve that brought this up that um, uh, that we need to like compensate mothers for their labor, um, uh, uh, um, 
or, or that you know the, 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 or you know you maybe you, you try like the intertemporal argument right like uh, um you know basically it's them paying themselves them from the future is paying themselves now um i don't know you know you try to uh, you try to address the specific concerns about uh um you know they're all gonna spend it on drugs or something uh you know you try you, you try there's just so much bs to like try to navigate towards navigate through um and so I, I, it's difficult to, to select exactly which arguments because it depends on sort of what BS they happen to believe. All right, uh, Stephen, you're up next. God, if I know. Um, no, no, I, I mean, t- t- I'm, I'm good to be fair. I've, I've discussed the child tax credit with Chris and Summer's office and, and, and their official stance is that they support the Biden, uh, you know, tax, uh, tax credit as, as is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about her voting intentions under a variety of different sort of scenarios, but that's when, when we, you know, whenever we did these micro simulations or anything, we would reach out to everybody on both sides of the aisle. Um, and, you know, sometimes we'd get some, um, some conversations and yeah, Sonoma's office was always very pro, um, child tax credit. Um, what would I say to Manchin? Well, I mean, I have a bunch of regression tables and, and, yeah. and microsim. He, output, he I just don't, I, he, as you know, that's yeah. Um, that really gets to him, I think. And, and I, could, big fan, over big fan. I mean, I could try <laughs> to appeal to him, I guess, you know, in just personal terms, you know, mm. I, I, grew, I grew up in a, a, you know, a single parent home and working class home and, and we struggled with stuff. Maybe I could, tell him a story about that, that would kind of make him understand what, what a difference it could make. And then, you know, say, and that's why when we find that, you know, child poverty, um, you know, that when we look into the costs of child poverty to the economy in terms of workers who, you know, or people who grew up to be unhealthy or people who grew up to end up in jail or, are not able to get to college or whatever. That's why we find this huge, you know, impact eight eight hundred billion dollars, one point one trillion dollars, or whatever. So, like my experience is is you know reflected in the data here. I I don't um I don't know if that would work. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. Um, I mean, remember he is in a, a state that went you know I think Trump by over thirty points. Um, so he has a he has a constituency that he's also thinking about. And um, as far as I know, there was not just a huge outpouring support for the CTC um, in, in the state um, from his constituents. And, and, you know, maybe that would have made a difference. I don't know. James, what about you? Okay. Um, best, <laughs> he's got, you've got a script. You got it, yeah. uh, my best shot at this is that um, you guys may have seen this graph, but 70% of people that are in poverty get out within 12 months and 88% of people that are in poverty get out within three years. So for the vast majority, like about nine out of 10 people, this is a temporary shock mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. get out of for the rest of their lives. They are hardworking people that are really just trying the best they can. And for whatever reason, this shock hit them now. And like, they need help mm-hmm. now. Like you shouldn't take away their support when they need it the most in this particular moment. And, you know, like there are cyclical periods like recessions where it happens to a lot of people at once for whatever reason, this hit them for this period. Like maybe they're jo- like the business that they worked at didn't get, it just didn't work out. Maybe not, but they need it now. Don't take it away from them when mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, like, they're going to, for the rest of their lives, even their parents are going to go back to working. Don't take it away from them then. And aside from that, it's also billed as a tax credit. They have to proactively search for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Those are motivated individuals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they have to opt into it. They yeah. have to try it out nine times out of 10. They're hardworking Americans outside of this period anyway. So just like, just help them get that hand up. It's like a hand up, not a handout. That's the that's the best I got. I you can speaking of hand time up, to think have, about it. I have my hand up. You have your hand up. Actually, I I'm using the Zoom. I'm using the Zoom features to the. <laughs> I have my hand up here. Um, I, I just this made me think about this, right? Which is that this is a common 
error in in thinking in in this analysis that goes long back, right? Which is taking a snapshot of poverty or of um, you know a program or whatever, and just kind of looking at it rather than looking at um, the cohort flow through a program. Mm. And and this con- this continuously comes up. It's hard to do, right? I mean, when you look at the if you look at the CPS ASEC, which we use for microSIMs, I mean, this is basically, these aren't panel studies, right? So it's just like a snapshot. So you never really get a sense of the actual um, flow. Um, you get it from looking at like panel study of income dynamics, uh, which, you know, stay tuned. We're, we're, we're going to be doing something with that um, in, the, in the coming months. Um, but you also like, this was an issue uh, with TANF. Uh, going into TANF, um, when they were trying to get rid of the AFDC, people pointed to studies saying, like, you know, seven out of 10 people on TANF are, you know, people who've, uh, you know, been on the program for like five plus years or 10 plus years. It's creating like a dependency. It's creating, you know, an underclass of people who are just trapped there. But when you actually look at this, which they did later, um, what what you actually see is like I think it's it's more than nine out of ten families um, of of like at AFDC were were only on it for like uh, I think I think that on average for like eighteen months or less, right? They were flow through, and there was a small group of people who who in any given cohort as it went through stayed and accreted over time. So if you think of like, I mean, sediment build up in like a river basically is what I'm talking about. And if you just look at that cross section, you have a sense that all the people on it are dependent, but what you're really just saying is tiny, tiny bits of any previous cohort are being you know, left you know, behind on the program for long-term. And that was one of the arguments that they used to kill, um, to kill AFDC and to, to, to switch it to, to the TANF program. So I, I think your, your point, James, about, you know, the flow of people, you know, through poverty, um, the number of people, I, it was what we're going to look at, like the number of families um, during, you know, a, their, their child's timeline, um, uh, how often they fall below um, the point at which they would receive like a fully refundable tax credit um, under the sort of the Biden plan and how, how often do they, they go up and down like stuff. I, I think that might be a good way to argue. I think you're right, James. Which is 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 that that this is really, you know, again, insurance like it's it's for the it's a bump. You know, it's a bump in the road that they might have been fallen into, and they're going to be right back out of it again, and even quicker if you give them that aid. So yeah. So sorry to. I know you were trying to end this, but I just it, it came to me. Maybe you can edit that in. Like I don't know yeah. when you was a good editor, right? Yeah, and shout out to Robert Orr. Um, he came up with an idea that you could, I mean, he's like working with the idea that maybe the phase in is stuck, um, but mm-hmm. that maybe you could do something like unemployment insurance dollars because they're already taxable anyway. And like you're paying into this insurance system that the benefit should count is income for the mm-hmm. child tax yeah, credit. Yeah, yeah. And that can get you into the phase, like out of the phase in, threshold or something like that and like that could be a way where you could keep the phase in but still get most of the benefit or like i don't think he said this but like the stimulus payments did a look back period where it was in like the last of two years right Mm -hmm. um where you could say like okay well like maybe if you didn't work in this last tax year we could look back at two years and if you did did then then you can get it you did the reverse for the eitc they basically said like you use the use whatever income gets you the biggest EITC, right? So if your yeah. income were, was higher in a previous one, like depending on where you were in the phase in or the phase out, it, it, it could matter. So mm-hmm. yeah, and like so you could use one or the other, and then maybe it's like you didn't work two years in a row and you had no unemployment insurance income, maybe then, and like that's like you know sort of like the social security version of that because if you don't work for social security and you're not like you know, a spouse of someone who did, then you don't get it, right? Like social security, only 98% of people get social security, right? Mm -hmm. So like maybe you can make it so that there are check-ins to make sure that people do this thing. 
um, if you really want to be careful, um, that could de facto become a universal program, even if there is, you know, by law, like some sort of phase in. Hmm. But I don't know. Anyway, I think I think those are all great answers, and uh, I think we're coming up uh, at, at the end of the end of the time span here. But I do want to say it was it was a great pleasure having Stephen on again, uh, and having James on for the first time. And hopefully, I I, I do want to record a podcast with uh, James on uh, some healthcare policy sometimes. So I would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be uh, with it's yeah. going to be with like a, a you know a speed a a, a text to to uh, to audio. <laughs> like he's going to type in the answer and hit it, and a robot's going to play it back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it might be, it might be. No, um, no. I, I mean, I, I feel like you are like one of like the most underrated like policy wonks on Twitter. And I hope uh, I, I, I am ecstatic to see how you grow in the in the in the, in the upcoming couple of uh, couple of months. But oh, no, absolute pleasure having both of you and uh, Chad there too with his little barbecue lighter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a pleasure to have you guys and Chad. <laughs> Which is, which is weird because he's the co-host. And we, we didn't have... That. No, no, I no, say that. And there is... And, Steve, James, yeah. great to have you. Chad, you were here. You were here. That's great. Yeah. No. Um, and I'm excited. No, it's awesome. I'm, I'm actually a repeat guest. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that puts me... That maybe puts me in an, in an elite group. You're the first repeat you're guest. You're Alec, I, oh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I am, yeah. I am now the first... Oh, God. The yeah, honestly, Saturday Night Live. Yes, that's awesome. Yes. You are the first to get. Uh, and uh, I, just to plug the next one, we're going to be talking to David Slager about oh, the, uh, the. We're going to do a breakdown of the Australian election in the, the week after this. So we're going to have a second new kind of recurring guest. But thank you for being the first one, Stephen. We really oh, appreciate awesome. it. That's and awesome. I, I mean, I wasn't there for the interview, but I really did enjoy listening to your episode. And I, I, I thought uh, both you and Chad did like a phenomenal job. Yeah, it was fun. Thank, like thanks for finally giving me some credit. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you make this project, man. You're like 90% uh-huh. of this project. I'm just yeah. like, he, okay. is, yeah, sure. he is the Chad, right? That's he's the, the Chad. He's the Chad. The, the Chad Chad. So. The Chad Chad. Um, anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. 